Hello and welcome to Author in Your Classroom from Plazoon. My name is Helen Mully and the author joining you in your classroom or wherever you're listening for this episode is actress and writer Helen Rutter, whose first book published in February this year is already getting rave reviews all over the place and quite rightly so if you ask me. Welcome to the podcast, Helen. Hello, thanks for having me. It's our absolute pleasure. So Helen, as I said, The Boy Who Made Everyone Laugh is the title of your debut novel and it came from a really quite special and personal starting point didn't it yeah it did I never ever thought I would write a book to be honest (laughs) it wasn't something that was I always wrote I've always written things but never thought it would be a novel um and the reason the thing that inspired it was my son the story is about a a little boy called Billy Plimpton who he loves jokes absolutely (laughs) adores telling jokes and wants to be a stand-up comedian um but he thinks that he can't possibly do that because he's got a stammer and so because he gets stuck on his words and he finds it very difficult to get to the end of some sentences, he can't imagine ever being able to stand on a stage and tell jokes in front of a whole audience full of people. And my son has a stammer. And so a lot of that came from the experiences that I'd seen him go through and that I'd had with him by going to speech therapy and by um, learning how to cope with it and by getting on stage in school plays and all of those kind of things. So all of that fed into it and and gave me the idea for the story. So yeah, it did come from a really personal and quite special place. And do you think that level of, of personal experience makes a story harder to write or easier? I mean, there, there are moments in the story where where Billy's going through some quite difficult stuff. You know, he, he gets quite vulnerable and, and upset. Was that hard for you to write? It was emotional. Yeah. But I don't find that hard. I love that, you see. <laughs> Maybe I'm a bit strange. But when I'm writing, I'm either writing and I'm laughing at my own jokes <laughs> or I'm crying at something that he's going through. And I re- I find that feeling really great when I'm feeling something as I'm writing. It kind of makes me think that I'm doing it right like so something's connecting you know like yeah. if it's making me feel like that hopefully it will make the reader feel like that too so personally I can't imagine writing anything that wasn't based on a real experience I mean the idea of making up magical mystical worlds and <laughs> and things that don't exist that seems hard to me like that is a totally a skill that I can't ever imagine trying to use but for, so for me and I think it's always been the case in everything that I've done I always base things however far they end up being pushed yeah. you know that but they're always really quite solidly based in something that I've experienced or something that I've seen and so those emotions are real. They're emotions that, that you you have felt. So when you're writing them down, you you know when they sound right? Yeah, exactly. I want things to 
I want things to feel as real as possible so that when other people read it, they might go, oh, I felt like that. I know what that's like. Because that's, I guess, that's what I want in a book. That's what I want in a character. I want to see myself or see my feelings or my emotions or things that I've seen people close to me go through. I want to be able to connect. I think that's what we all want from books, isn't it? That connection, that feeling of, yes, yes, this is something that I've felt too. This person who's writing knows what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose that that is the same, whether it is set in outer space or whether it is set on the earth, you're still trying to get that connection. But yeah, for me, I stay slightly closer, I guess, to real life. I steal bits from every single person I've ever met, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful if you ever meet me because I'll just be watching and stealing (laughs) little bits of conversations and ideas from everywhere. Which I think the people who write about aliens and dragons do that as well, don't they, I suppose? You You never know. All these things you're stealing may end up in Aliens and Dragons one day. You never know. You never know where it could end. <laughs> this this book, it was it was quite a long time in the writing, wasn't it? Wasn't it a couple of years? Well, so I write very, very fast when I actually am writing. Yeah. I'm quite an impatient person. And so I, I really <laughs> get on with something quickly and get to the end. But this process has taught me patience in a way that I would never, <laughs> never have learned otherwise. Because publishing takes a long time. So yeah. I wrote, wrote my first draft really quickly. I tried to write a chapter every single day. And I think there were in the initial draft, which was very short, actually I write things very short as well and then I have to make them bigger afterwards (laughs) but I think it was like 20 chapters so I wrote it in 20 days and then sent it off without even really rereading it I'm very very slapdash then realized that it wasn't good enough and that it was all character there was no plot at all (laughs) nothing happened in it but I just had this character that I love and then I realized that's where the work starts and that's when I really needed to start working hard and so then I rewrote it and that's when the comedy element came in. And as soon as that that idea popped into my head that he wanted to be a comedian, I think that's really where the change came and that's where the book started really coming together. And then, yeah, then when I found my agent and then they found my wonderful editor and publisher, then there's even more editing. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. And so that for me was the challenge. I thought it was finished. I thought it was done, you know. And then I get a whole list of notes and ideas and things that I needed to incorporate into the story. And I was like, oh no, this feels like really hard work, you know. And they said it would not be published for, I think it was 18 months from the point of getting the publisher. So that just felt like forever. It just felt so, so far away. I bet. Um, But yeah, but actually once I went into that part of the writing stage, I absolutely loved it in a way that I never thought I would. The story just came to life in that stage. It was brilliant. Yeah, that crafting process, that honing, that bringing things out that perhaps you didn't even know were there. I expect a lot of our listeners understand that feeling of thinking they've completed a piece of work and then someone I'm looking at you teachers says do you know what actually you're not finished you need to go back and do some more stuff but it really is worth it isn't it oh it was completely worth it I can't wait to get the edits on my next (laughs) book now because it was scary and I wanted to run away but then as soon as I committed to it and went for it and just thought I'll do it 
I've got to do it, so I'll just do it. Actually, I really enjoyed it. So don't worry too much, guys. If you <laughs> if you get little notes all over your work and you go, oh, no, I don't want to do it, just give it a go and see how you feel afterwards. What, what I think is so brilliantly clever and tidy about the way that you've written Billy's story is the role that laughter had to play in it. And it's interesting that you say that as soon as the comedy element came in, that's when the story started to come together. Because I think for young people who are different from from what, for want of a better word, we might call you know the norm, I think one of the great fears they, they have to face is the possibility of other people's laughter and, and not kind laughter, not shared laughter, but that kind of laughter that pushes someone away that, that means you don't have to think or or try and understand where that other person is coming from. And what you do with Billy's story, which which I just think is so brilliant, is you you take that laughter and you give it to Billy and you use it to empower him. He takes control of it and then he turns it into a way to, to communicate and to connect. I wonder if that is because you, as, as a writer, making people laugh is your is your superpower is that your strength is is that how you communicate best oh I would love to call it my superpower (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I'm good enough at it to call it my superpower but I'll, I'll take that um I think yeah I think that it is so deep inside of of me and my family to find the laughter that I don't think that I could write anything that didn't have humor you know really quite at at the core of it however sad a story or however dark something gets or or tough something is I think that there's always the flip side there's always the flip side of laughter however hard something is yeah um I we don't experience life with with just the difficult stuff there is always the light and I think that 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 balance for me I'd always been trying to strike that balance in everything that I'd written beforehand because I used to write plays and and things for the stage because I was an actress so I come at things from that kind of performance side and I always wanted my audience to feel something deeply and to laugh a lot and actually writing this story it was the first time that I felt like oh, I can really strike this balance. It felt like the perfect format in a way to be able to to hit that balance in the way that I'd always wanted to try. Yeah, and I think it it really does work in that way. I mean, it helps that you know the jokes are properly funny. You know, the, the stand-up is properly funny. And I think that really does make a difference in the way in the way that you read a story. I would really love it if you could read a bit of the story for us now so that everyone can can get a taste of, of what it's like. So if it's all right, Helen, I'm just going to pause the recording for a moment so you can find your place in the book, which I'm sure you have with you. And, um, and then we'll come back and hear a snippet of the story. Welcome back to Author in Your Classroom with today's guest, Helen Rutter. Helen, you're going to read to us now from The Boy Who Made Everyone Laugh. Before you start, would you mind just telling us a little bit about where we are in the story to put listeners in the picture? Yeah, so Billy, he started secondary school. um, And he decided to go to a secondary school that nobody else from his primary is going to. So he's completely on his own. And he has this plan that he's going to try and not speak 
at all. Until he gets rid of his stammer, he thinks he'll just say nothing. Now, I mean, can you imagine <laughs> trying not to speak at all at school? It doesn't sound like the best of plans to me. So what happens is, is that his teacher, um, Mr. Osho, who's an amazing teacher, wants the class to do a kind of show and tell. So take something in to show to the class that tells everybody a bit about them and who they are. And Billy does not want this to happen at all it's his worst nightmare so he's trying desperately to get out of this and we're at a point where this is all coming to a bit of a head when I get home mum wants to go and celebrate the end of my first week at Bannerdale we leave dad and Chloe at home and she takes me to a new American style diner on the high street called Uncle Sam's We're sitting in a booth with green leather seats and a mini jukebox that holds the ketchup when a girl with red lipstick and braces on her teeth comes to take our order. Hi and welcome to Uncle Sam's. What can I get for you? I go for cheesy chips. I just point at the menu and she writes it down. Mum knows something's wrong with me by now. I've not eaten any puddings all week. On Thursday it was pineapple and custard which I love so she definitely knows there's a problem. When she asks if I want a milkshake, I try to look as sad as possible and shake my head. It's not easy. I can see pictures of chocolate milkshakes with ice cream, wafers and toffee sauce. They look so tasty. But I just close the menu, push it away and keep focused on the plan. Mum frowns but doesn't say anything. This is the moment the pudding plan is going to come together. I can feel it. When she finishes her coffee, Mum pulls this funny face and takes a breath in. And I know she's going to talk about something serious. I think, this is it. She's going to find out about the speech and let me get out of it. For some reason, my mind starts going through every other possible thing that she could say. What if it's got nothing to do with the pudding plan? If not, then why does she look so serious? Then she says, Billy, Mr. Osho called me today to let me know how you're getting on. What? I say, why? He says that you've barely said a word all week. So? He didn't even know about your stammer, Billy. She looks disappointed when she says this. Before I started at Bannerdale, Mum had wanted to tell all of my teachers about it. I told her that I definitely did not want that, no way. I didn't want all my new teachers doing the frowny, smiley thing. I didn't want more attention on me. So I told her that I would tell them myself. I told her that she needed to let me grow up, which totally worked. We talked about the show and tell presentation on Monday, she continues. Oh no, she knows about the speech. This is not the way this is meant to be happening. My pudding plan is ruined and now she thinks I've been lying to her. What did he say, I asked. Even if the even the idea of the me-me speech makes my stammer worse. He said that you don't have to do it if you don't want to. He said you could just take something in to show, but that you didn't have to talk. Did I say Mr Osho was nice? Well, he just went from being nice to being the best teacher that ever lived in the whole wide world. My head falls back and I pump both my fists in the air. Mission complete. Then Mum continues. But Billy, I've spoken to your dad and to Sue. She looks into her empty cup and carries on. 
we all think it might be a really good idea for you to try it, to face your fears. Sue said that if you want to talk it over, you can give her a video call over the weekend. It can't be as bad as you imagine. It just can't. You can't go on not talking, sweetie. Anyway, won't all the kids notice if you're the only one who doesn't do it? I think you might be making things worse for yourself. She pauses and I know something bad's coming. So, I told Mr Osho that you would give it a go. My throat starts feeling sore and tight, like I have a fist in it. Tears begin forming in my eyes. I look at her, wondering if I can go nuclear. If mum and dad ever ask me to do something I don't want to do, I have the ultimate top trump. I've figured it out. If I use the word stress and not listening in the same sentence, I always get my own way. It's like magic. It started after Sue once said that stress and not feeling heard are the two main triggers for disfluency. Disfluency is another word for not speaking smoothly. She also said that in order to lessen stress levels, I should try and speak as much as possible in situations that may be challenging. That bit's not so helpful, though, when I'm trying to get out of something. So I just use the not listening bit. I call it going nuclear. I don't use it very often as it feels a bit mean to use my stammer against them. Anyway, if I do it too much, they'll catch on. But this time, I think I need it. If they just stopped making me do things I don't want to do, then I would never need it, would I? Helen, I could listen to you reading all day. Please tell me you're going to do the audiobook. <laughs> I so am, good. actually. <laughs> yeah, they asked me the yes. other day. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that was just great. And I, I love how that scene really shows where Billy's coming from, but also where his mum's coming from. She wants the best for him. And, of course, as a, as a parent, that does sometimes mean pushing your child out of their comfort zone when when what you really want to do is protect them and presumably that's something that you know something about yeah absolutely it's it's so so hard seeing your child struggle with something and yeah and finding ways to to help them do things that don't necessarily feel like the thing that they want to be doing yeah. going you know when when all they want to do is run away and and yeah you want to just run away with them <laughs> and just go and hide but you know that that's not necessarily the best thing to do so yeah it's really tricky and we can't go without mentioning Mr. Osho, who is just the dream teacher, isn't he? He's the teacher that everybody wants. And Billy talks a lot in the book about how awkward adults can be around his stammer. He's actually quite generous about it. I think he's quite understanding of, of how how difficult the adults are finding it. And I, I wonder if, if you think it would help if there were more training for, for grown-ups about how to respond to people with with communication difficulties yeah completely I mean that for me witnessing the responses that Lenny has had from adults was one of the most surprising things I I have been so surprised that for a start adults very rarely understand what it is that they're hearing they don't get it they don't understand they don't recognize it as a stammer it takes quite a long time I think and so And in that time, I think adults are so primed to try and help or fix or to make something seem okay or pop the tension. I mean, honestly, they end up often being far, responding in ways that are far less helpful than kids do. 
when they hear it, because kids are far more likely to just say, why did you get stuck? Or why do you speak like that? Which is a much more helpful response in one way than either laughing or mimicking, which adults do a lot more than you think, actually, or or try or saying slow down, or you know, <laughs> any of those things which just which aren't actually that helpful. So it's been really interesting to see adults' responses. I did also want to speak a little bit about the bully, because like every good school story, there is a bully here. And in this case, it's William Blakemore. Now, smaller side, and this is probably a really silly question, but did you give him the same name as your hero on purpose? <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I wish I was that intelligent. <laughs> no, I didn't. I thought I that didn't. was a really clever move. To... I know. Well, I did notice that. I remember actually, I've forgotten about that. But then I remember realising that at one point and thinking, oh, that was that was an accident. Is that okay? And then thinking, oh, yeah, no, actually, it's quite cool. Um, so, but no, it wasn't, it wasn't thought through before I named them, unfortunately. Maybe I should just say, I, in the next interviews, you might hear me saying, oh, yeah, I totally, totally meant that. <laughs> I, I think you, I think you should. It, you know, it was a, it was a deliberate connection between two apparently opposite characters. <laughs> I don't want to give away any spoilers, but you do throughout the story gradually give the reader more and more information about William Blakemore about what his life is like and that gives us clues as to why he might be behaving the way he does was that important to you when you were writing that readers understood that there was more to it than just meanness yeah, definitely. He was one of the characters that that grew a lot in the edit, actually, because it was clear after that, after the first couple of drafts, it was clear that he was a little bit too one note and that he needed to have way more depth. And that's what I really loved going into these because during the writing, you kind of fall in love with each character mm-hmm. at a different point when you're writing them. And yeah, going into William Blakemore actually and, and feeling some empathy and and you know, understanding his, just his place in the world and how difficult it is for him as well. I really enjoyed writing that and seeing that I never wanted to make it saccharine and I never wanted to make it too easy. Like, oh, he's a bully and then he ends up being okay. And then, and and everything's fine in the end. I did want that. I wanted him to be, you know, cruel in the way that some kids can be very, very cruel. I didn't want to make it I wanted to make it real in that way, but then I did want there to be some kind of journey as well for him so that you there were bits that you could see that he could have maybe his own happy ending or he could have something about him that, that could come out in the future. That's part of writing reality, I suppose, isn't it? You know, reality doesn't tie itself up neatly into a bow at the end and it doesn't divide people neatly into goodies and, and baddies. It, it, it's all still a little bit messy all the way through. And I, I think you managed to capture that in the story really well. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. It's it's really important to have depth, isn't it? As well as, yes. yeah, things to be met, things are messy. I mean, you do want a satisfying ending. We all want a really satisfying, triumphant kind of, you know, of you, you need that and you want that. But at the same time, you also need there to be things that aren't quite, that you don't know. You don't know how something's going to play out. At the end, you can close it and then you can create the rest of the story. Do they become friends? How does that little relationship play out? What happens you know, next. You need there to be enough for the story to stay with people, I guess. 
Yes, and for the reader to bring in their own reality, perhaps, because perhaps, you know, people might, readers might interpret what happens next with Billy and, and Blake Moore in, in different ways, depending on their own experience. Exactly. Helen, we're, we're nearly out of time, believe it or not. And I did just want to remind all the teachers and parents listening that we do produce a free resources pack to go with every episode of Author in Your Classroom. So children can take the advice they hear and the ideas they get and, and put them into action in their own writing. All the packs can be downloaded from plazoom.com and the details are in the episode notes. So while everyone makes a note for themselves about that, I'm going to pause the recording again and then we'll come back for a last few questions, Helen, before we wrap up. Welcome back to Author in Your Classroom with our guest for today, Helen Rutter. Helen, The Boy Who Made Everyone Laugh is the book you really wanted to write, the book that you knew your son, Lenny, would love to read. And oh, I loved it. It's it's an absolute triumph. But what now? I mean, you did mention earlier on something about your next book. So are there more stories that you want to tell? Oh, yeah, definitely. I completely fell in love with writing for this age group. It, I really did in a way that hopefully changed my life. I want to do this definitely for as long as I'm allowed to write stories, I will keep writing stories. So yeah, my, my deal with my publisher was for two books, so two standalone books. So I've just finished the first draft of my next book which is very rough so it may change a lot between now and when it actually comes out but yeah it's about someone who is going through a bit of a tricky time and he has not much hope and then he bangs his head and all of a sudden his wishes start coming true and he doesn't know what on earth is going on he doesn't understand whether it's coincidence he certainly doesn't believe in magic so he goes along trying to figure out what on earth to wish for next if it's going to come true I'm sure you said earlier that you could only write about things that had definitely happened in your own life well sometimes it feels like you just put something out there into the universe and then it happens doesn't it that's definitely happened to me where I wish for something or I say something out loud and then it happens and you go what <laughs> who's listening what is happening Helen, um, at this point in the podcast, I usually ask our guest for a few writing tips for our listeners. And I'd love it if you have any that you could share. But also, I'm guessing that there'll be plenty of young people out there listening who, like Billy, really dream of making people laugh, perhaps for a living. And I think you're pretty good at that too. So if you've got any comedy tips that you could share, if you could slip those in as well, that would be fantastic. I, my top tip, I mean, honestly, people will be bored of hearing me say this. I say this to my children over and over and over and over again. I say it to myself over and over <laughs> and over again when I'm sitting in my little writing shed. But my top tip is don't get it right, get it written. Yeah. Because I think we can stop ourselves. We can tell ourselves that something's not working or something's not right. And we can write a sentence over and over again and delete it. I very rarely delete anything, if I'm honest. I like to just get it all out and it doesn't matter if it's right or, you know, forget about spelling, forget about grammar, forget about all of that stuff. Just get something 
out and then you can fix it all afterwards. So yeah, it would definitely be don't get it right, get it written. I might put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Honestly, I, I literally have it. I write it down all the time. It's, it's in all <laughs> my little diaries and everything. That's the other thing is write things down. So I've got, I keep diary. I've kept diaries my entire life. I've got hundreds of the things. Um, and I all I do is I just write down like three or four things that have made me smile in the day. And it's because my memory's pretty bad so it helps me to remember things and I can go back years ago and just open it up and it makes me smile every single time because it brings back so much I also have my what I call my happy book which is a ridiculous thing that is full of it's just full to the brim of things that have made me laugh um, of things that have so days out if if I've been somewhere I'll put the ticket in and write a little note about what what was there or just anything that makes me laugh that makes me smile that makes me happy and it's so full so I love that so that's a definitely a tip do that because if you're ever feeling bad and you want to try and feel a bit better just open your happy book and oh my goodness it does it instantly and yeah I, in terms of oh standing on stage and doing comedy now that <laughs> I mean who can prepare anybody for that. It is quite an experience doing that. So if anybody is interested at all in getting up on stage and telling jokes or doing anything in front of an audience, I guess, my top tip would be the nerves that you feel, they use they are exciting. See them as excitement rather than nerves and just carry on and do it anyway. Don't let that funny, fuzzy headed, strange, sicky feeling put you off. It's completely normal. (laughs) (laughs) that's really really good advice and then perhaps if there are any of our listeners who like Billy are sitting there and and living with some kind of some kind of barrier to to communication or, or something that perhaps they feel is making their life more difficult than it might be or than than it is for other people I just wondered if you had any words for them too yeah I guess I think what what I was trying to say one of the things that I was really trying to say um, in this story was that the thing that makes you different the thing that you think you want to change about yourself because I think when you it happens throughout your life but when you're young especially you want to fit in and you want to be what's considered normal even though who is normal and you want to and I think that you can want to change yourself a lot um, and Billy definitely wants to change himself he wants to be different from what he is and I think what I wanted to say was that actually the thing that you that very thing that you want to change can often be the thing that makes you special it can be your superpower. It can be the thing that makes you unique. And so if you learn how to own it and celebrate it, then then that will be the thing that makes you, you. Yeah, completely. Helen, The Boy Who Made Everyone Laugh, I, I think it's a, a brilliant book. I think it's clever. It's definitely funny it's a joy to read and it has some really really important things to say so I just want to say thank you thank you for writing it and thank you for being a guest on today's podcast oh it's been a complete delight thank you so much for having me it's our pleasure and to all our listeners thank you too for being here we'll be back soon with another fantastic author see you then Thank you.
Author in Your Classroom is brought to you by Plazoom, where we are passionate about making great literacy lessons easy with inspiring, ready-to-go resources created by teachers to cover the whole of the primary curriculum. So, whether you're a teacher desperate for SATS revision that pupils will actually enjoy, a parent just as baffled by fronted adverbials as your child, or anyone looking for fun ways to keep children reading and writing during the summer holidays, we've got hundreds of brilliant ideas to explore. Take a look for yourself at plazoom.com, where you can sign up to our newsletter and be the first to find out about our special offers and the new resources that are added to the site every single week. Every episode of Author in Your Classroom is packed with writing advice and inspiration from some of the world's best-loved children's writers. Plus, there are free activities and worksheets based on each author's work to spark children's imagination on plazoom.com. Just check the episode notes for links and more. You can subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. We want to reach as many pupils in as many classrooms as possible, so please do give us a rating or a review, but above all, tell your colleagues about us and help spread the word. We know that a love of reading opens doors, not just to success at school and beyond, but to a lifetime of excitement, adventure and discovery. Let us help you make it happen with Author in Your Classroom and Plazoom.